Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we finally know where the CDL is going to be streaming the rest of the 2024 season. Finally, after months and months of wondering and a little bit of praying probably uh, on some people's behalves. Uh, but we finally know and we also have the first week of matches in the book in the books uh, so we know who's winning and who's losing so far earlier this season and who's been doing very well in their pick'em which we'll get to later in this show um and we got some other stuff and that we'll talk about before we get into our week two predictions for the cdl but before we get to any of that how are you doing bank i'm doing all right like you said you know matches back actually back so we're back in the uh, regular routine of having, uh, you know, matches to recap and then more matches to predict and preview, all that good stuff. So uh, enough yapping for me. We can hop right in. The biggest thing was before we even got into the matches because we were getting into the the first week. Um, you know, last week we had our episode on Tuesday. We had not known uh, publicly what was going to happen regarding uh, the CDL and where it was going to be streaming this season. Uh, there are a lot of indications that it was going to be YouTube exclusively, uh, which would revert back to what we had for the first three seasons of the CDL before the fourth season, which allowed co-streaming on both Twitch and YouTube, which was the much preferred option uh, in a lot of people's minds because you had the option of going to either YouTube or Twitch and there was no exclusivity um, and that seemed to help for viewership and uh, a lot of community engagement. Of course, we can't really have nice things in the COD community. That's that's not allowed here. Um, so for uh, Season 5, the fifth year of the CDL, um, the Call of Duty League announced that it is going to be exclusive to YouTube. They announced that on Thursday, Thursday morning, uh, a day before the season began on Friday. Um, obviously, like we've kind of hinted at this and we thought, you know, this is probably going to be the case regardless, but with it being confirmed um, and, you know, now that you've seen a few days of people giving their hot takes and their opinions on this, um, now that it's official, what are your kind of like final thoughts on the CDL announcing that YouTube was going to be the home of the CDL rather than, you know, Twitch or a combination of the two? Yeah, it kind of just seemed like an inevitability at this point and the fact that it took long to announce it it was kind of ridiculous but um i i've said before on the podcast that i actually don't mind watching on youtube i really like the ability to rewind the matches live um especially in my situation where i like to you know mark down the scores and do scores and standings that sort of thing um makes it really easy if i like you know miss the the thing the like literal last second and i have to go back and see you know like in a hard point if it's 250 to 217 or a random number it's really easy to go back um just a couple of seconds and see uh what the final score was whereas on twitch uh i would either have to go into the vod or i would have to try and clip it and just use like the clip to um view the the few seconds before so that was a kind of a little annoying on a personal standpoint but um it would be ignorant to ignore the the viewership uh and and the boom that you know we saw last year and, and the success that um other shows from guys like zuma and scump have, have brought to uh the league and all that stuff and um you know there, there's already been some issues this past weekend and during the first week with 
uh, what can and can't be shown on Twitch and, and all that stuff. So uh, probably a topic that's not going away anytime soon, even though we know where the matches will be. But um, at the end of the day, we have a decision to make. This is what they did. Um, hopefully, for their sake, it, it you know, it brings in some decent change that lets the league continue to run, but with everything going on in the background of rumors and murmurings of this potentially being the final season and all that stuff, you know, it, it could just be they, they cut a deal and they get that money and you know, bounce after that. So who really knows? Um, but all we know for now is we're going to be watching the CDL. If you're watching it, it's going to be on YouTube. Yeah, that would be what I would imagine uh, is the case is that you know maybe you know of course they had to have some kind of deal to become exclusive to youtube like they're probably not doing it for free but what the extent of that deal is we don't really know and i would imagine that it's just kind of like one last revenue stream um you know for, for this season and potentially for the cdl in general um, that would be at least my take on it um, but like you mentioned there were issues from the get-go um, the day after the season opener, uh, Zuma and Skump both said that they were having, um, you know, I don't want to say threats necessarily, but there were a lot of discussions about what they could actually be broadcasting on Twitch as they're both Twitch partners. Um, you know, they did have these like uh, co-streams on YouTube and on Twitch, but uh, essentially what the difference was on YouTube, they could show gameplay on Twitch they could not, so nothing could be shown in terms of matches on Twitch. So I, I believe Zuma was doing like a full face cam on his Twitch stream, whereas on YouTube, uh, you know, he had his face cam, but he also had the gameplay of the ongoing CDL matches. Um, and uh, you know, now I, I think just in general, they're saying that they are not allowed even in VODs to talk over or kind of break down the the footage uh, or any gameplay. Um, which is a, a very questionable decision um, by Activision, in my opinion, because um, I think it would be quite difficult to enforce if if it is a, um, in a fair use um, kind of uh, light. Because if they are actually breaking down gameplay and they're giving uh, feedback and actually explaining things to the viewer rather than just like, talking with each other and letting gameplay run i could see at that point how activision could step in and say hey you can't do that um and as a game publisher they have like a lot of rights in terms of what they can um and you know or, or what they can allow and what they they can allow i guess um you know there have been a lot of uh times where games can actually they they can stop you from streaming games um game publishers can on twitch or youtube um, it's more just like they allow you to do it because that's actually in their benefit. And I would imagine that it's actually in their benefit in this case, but um, Activision hasn't always done things that you would think are logical, um, at least in my opinion. Um, but it, it was also reflected in the viewership that um, from week one of the 2023 season and the week one viewership of the 2024 season, there was quite a bit of, uh, drop off um, and that's not even including that scump was still playing at the time of last year's season opener so he wouldn't have had the co-stream um, at that time that would have just been like zuma and other people that were involved in the cdl uh, or in the cod community um, you know the the peak viewership was 
nearly 185,000 last year for the first um, for the top match last year, and then it was about 107,000 for this one. Um, so kind of just like wrapping all of that up, like what are you thinking in terms of you know Activision's stance about uh, you know reported stance, I guess, or alleged stance because they haven't publicly said any of this. This is all through you know Scump or Ben or Zuma um, regarding you know what Activision is seemingly um, accepting from these these content creators but what do you think about all, all of that where they're you know blocking people from putting on putting gameplay on twitch you know that that seems like a very odd decision what do you think yeah uh for starters just before we move on too quickly the uh the viewership comparison between last year and this year was never going to be close um Keeping in mind, last year was the return to Twitch. There were a lot of people and longtime Call of Duty esports fans who were excited about the return to Twitch. Um, so that's like kind of a very difficult comparison. There was no world yeah. where a YouTube return this year would be close to the return to Twitch last year. Um, but to answer your question on the the flank, Zoom, and all that situation, um, the only thing that really makes sense to me is it must be part of like you know, the legal deal or something for the exclusivity. Um, and, you know, it could be something on the YouTube side where, like, YouTube potentially doesn't want the gameplay being showed on Twitch because, like, they are paying money to Activision to have, you know, yeah. it exclusively on the platform. That would make the most sense to me, and if well, there's probably no way we ever find out if that's true or not, so it's it's really speculation. Um, but at the end of the day, like the the especially with guys like Zuma and Scump, like the viewership they drive for the league and the position it's in, and you know all the rumblings and rumors, however you want to phrase it, um, for the league to potentially do something to undoubtedly it's two most popular content creators and co-streamers which drive massive viewership to their product um if, if for them to make a decision that could potentially hinder that and and lower the viewership they bring in or you know in a worst case scenario drive them away to not want to do what they're doing content wise that would only hurt the league further it would hurt YouTube, in a sense, too, because then they're not having as many eyes on the games and potentially, you know, on ads, all that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a weird situation, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert on fair use and all that stuff, but um, I feel like, like you said, yeah, if, you know, for whatever reason this ever went to court or something like that, I, I feel like... If, if you're showing, if, you know, like you and me were just talking with gameplay in the background, yeah, I can see why somebody might get mad at that. But if, you know, you got, like, laser pointers and drastic examples, you know, drawing on the prompters and stuff like they do sometimes in NFL games and stuff, like, where you're actually breaking down what's playing, you know, you can pull up the mini-map and show, oh, this guy went this way and mm -hmm. this guy held down this one, yada, yada. Like, I, I would find it very difficult to see how... Um, you know, that would be against any rules, but, you know, we're, we don't know the wording of any deals or what exactly is going on behind the scenes. So that's what, at the end of the day, we're just going to have to wait and see how it all plays out. Um, but no matter what, I, I do hope, uh, especially just due to the success of Scump and, and Zuma's shows and uh, 
help costumes and all that. I hope they are able to come to some sort of agreement with the league, YouTube, whoever it may be, uh, to you know be able to continue to do what they have done in a productive way for all parties involved. Before we move on to another subject, the the last thing I want to say was a big issue that I have with this whole situation, and it's been brought up by Zuma and Scump, I believe. The CDL had so much time to iron out these issues in the offseason. This did not need to happen while the first weekend of the CDL was going on. If Activision had decided that they were going to go with YouTube or the owners of the CDL franchises, they decided we're going to take this exclusive YouTube deal and we're going to change the co-streaming rules for everybody, but most especially that will pertain to someone like Zuma or someone like Scump and Methods or the, the very top streamers that would co-stream a CDL weekend. If they knew ahead of time, they should have told these guys. They should have said, hey, we know that this is probably not going to be in your best interest. We understand that, but let's work together. Let's figure out a, a happy medium or lay out very clearly, hey, because of this deal, you can do this, but you cannot do this. And let's just be very honest about what, what each other, or what we can really get out of this. But they didn't do that. You know, apparently they waited until the first weekend uh, and they, they sprung the announcement on just the community as a whole that it wasn't something that people knew about. It, you know, it's been pretty much the CDL's kind of MO for the entire season and, and for multiple years that there's no planning. There's no you know thought uh, ahead of what's actually coming down the pipeline. Um, there's so little transparency that it's ridiculous. You know, I understand that they're in a tough position and I, that's why I don't, I don't call out Daniel say like some of these other people, because I, I know like at the end of the day, he's just doing his job. Like he is a, a little cog in the big machine that is Activision and now Microsoft. I don't think he's like Roger Goodell or anything. Like he has like all this power he can wield and he can do this and that. Like he can, he could just decide one day, like, I'm going to announce that we're going to YouTube. I don't think he can actually do that. Like, I'm sure if he did that, he'd be fired. Like, there would be, like, little to no hesitation on Activision's part, in my opinion, that, like, anybody in that position cannot do anything by themselves. They have to go through so many layers of management and executives, and everybody above them has to make that decision, and then they could finally announce it. I just think it's just... It sucks for those people that probably do care a lot about the CEO and COD esports and the COD community as a whole, but they don't really get to do anything like that. They kind of just have to deal with everybody above them making the decisions that affect their reputation or their standing within the community. Um, but it was it's just ridiculous that the first weekend was happening already and the, the streamers were still trying to figure out what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. That's just ridiculous. It shouldn't happen. And hopefully the second weekend and, and beyond will be better and will run smoother. People will be a little bit happier, a little more comfortable with, you know, what's acceptable or not, but um, just kind of ridiculous thing to do on the first weekend of your new season. You know, that just would never happen in a lot of different sports. 
Um, but yeah, let's let's move on uh, to another uh, topic. So we, we got through the CDL YouTube stuff, um, but we actually did have some matches, which was very fun. Uh, that COD was finally back after, you know, four months or whatever since, uh, you know, or more than that, actually, because we stopped in June this year, which was real weird. We had that gigantic offseason, and finally in December, we picked back up with the fifth CDL season, um, and we had 11 matches this weekend to uh, watch and discuss, so let's get into it. Um, let's start with Friday's matches. So we'll go in chronological order. Um, if you've never watched our, or, or listened to the podcast before every week that there are matches, we go over each match. We kind of run down some of the bigger points of the matches. Um, if there isn't anything, you know, some of the matches later in the year where they're two of the worst teams and it was a result that we expected, there wasn't a whole lot of interesting talking points. We might fly through those, but um, I'm sure we'll have quite a bit to talk about with most of these matches since it's the first time we've seen every single roster because every single team had made a roster change coming into the season. Some of these teams are completely different. We have different brands for some of these teams as well. Um, so let's hop into it. Uh, Friday, December 8th, we had three matches, the first of which was Atlanta versus Boston. Um, we talked about how Slasher was on the Atlanta phase last year. Uh, got released in favor of Draza and ended up being on Boston um, uh, with the breach this season. Um, and this was a really close match. It ended up being a 3-2 win for FaZe. Um, your thoughts on, you know, I, I think people expected FaZe to win, but maybe not in a game five. Yeah, that was my big takeaway was uh, it was definitely, you know, at least on paper, probably a little closer than some people expected. Um, there is obviously the narrative of the slasher revenge game. So uh, if you factor that in and we're expecting, you know, Boston to pull off an upset because of that, then maybe, you know, the scores weren't too surprising to you. Um, but, you know, a 12 point hard point in map one and a six, five and uh, map two search that Atlanta both won. Those are super close. Uh, and then Boston wins the next two might be able to start a reverse sweep. You could in theory, even argue that, um, you know, a couple things go differently those first two maps, and Boston might have had the potential for a 3-0, which would have just been a whole different ball game there. Um, but then, as we know, even though Draza's in with this squad, that core trio for Atlanta of Selium, uh, uh, Simp, and Abizi, they've been real good at search for a while now, and they're able to close out game five, win two searches in their first match, and uh, get that first dub on the board. Yeah, Simp really stood out here. Um, he had 12 in the game five S and D, which you know, incredible. But in a BZ had 12 in the first S and D. Uh, cap, big cap, 13 in the in the with the L, but still uh, a really good, uh, strong game. Simp 33 kills in map one. Uh, he had um, 33 in map three as well. Just like a ridiculous uh, showing from him. Snoopy also had 30. Um, in in the control so uh, really strong performance from uh, b both teams really like I I think you have to kind of give grace to a lot of these teams early on in the year where they're trying to figure out what's going to work in a in an actual match because we've only really had a few months uh, or not even a few months we've had like a month of scrims at most and you know this is online so things are a little bit different um, and I'm sure the pro matches, they're still trying to figure out things. But, you know, like you mentioned, Boston was very close to winning this series. Um, you know, the 
the most lopsided um, game of this series was game five, but Boston had a real chance to win any of the first four matches, uh, four, first four maps of that series. So, um, you know, very strong performance from them to start off the season. Next, we had Seattle versus the Los Angeles Thieves. Uh, two completely new look rosters. Seattle overhauled their roster and their coaching staff. Um, LAT, uh, their championship core, gone to uh, Optic and um, Atlanta Phase uh, and retirement uh, in Octane's case. Um, and uh, they uh, went up against the Surge. I picked the Surge as my Dark Horse uh, championship team. And that pick, at least, you know, in the first match, and we'll talk about the second match, but it looked really, really good because Illy tapped into, um, you know, the, the Pope was back, essentially. He was hoodie up, definitely um, his best performance in quite some time. He was just dominant. He had... Uh, he was nine and three in the S and D, which is exactly what you want to see from Illy. He had just incredible maps. Uh, was that your big takeaway as well? Was Illy's return and kind of his, you know, resurgence a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, I thought you know Abuza had a strong performance in his debut as well, um, but Illy most certainly stood out. And you know, I I think the biggest thing here with Seattle is obviously it's early. But there were a lot of comments, concerns, criticisms about the lineup construction of Seattle. And I brought it up on one of the more recent podcasts. I can't remember if it's the last one. But um, the, the big question when the lineup was initially reported on or announced was who was going to be the second sub. And now we are in a meta here in MW3 where that doesn't really matter. And, you know, the ARs are so dominant um you have Arsides, Illy and Abuza all being able to run an AR with Hook being the lone sub like not to say that you know Seattle was fortunate that that's how it turned out but you know that nobody controls what the meta is like yeah. at the bat and it, it, it that's how it worked out and it definitely is paying dividends for Seattle early uh if any you know meta changes happen then we'll have to see if Seattle's able to continue this success but um at least off the out of the gate like it, it that's definitely something that you know can't be ignored and i think it's obviously um a, a positive for Seattle that you know we don't even if that if the biggest question heading into the season was who's going to be Seattle's second sub and we never have to get an answer to that question it only benefits Seattle in the long run um so I was definitely happy to see Illy back uh you know playing well but just as as a team I think um Seattle proved a lot of people wrong uh, it's it's still very early, so we got to, you know, pump the brakes, not, you know, the, maybe you're on the Seattle is winning chance bandwagon <laughs> yeah. after that week, but uh, I, I don't know if everybody's ready to jump on, on that just quite yet. It's still early, but um, you, you can't go do better than winning your first couple matches when you only play a couple, so, um, you know, definitely heading in the right direction there in Seattle. Yeah, I, the meta discussion is probably the one to have that, you know the the ARs are so much more dominant as a whole right now in in the competitive meta, and when that changes, then I think that's when it really has to be like you discussed and looked at with 
the surge and, and some of these other teams in particular because we don't know when the meta will change or how it will change uh, when it does in, in fact you know um, differ if if the if the subs get buffed or the ARs get nerfed as a whole then maybe there's a better discussion to have about okay like who's who's gonna take or who's gonna bite the bullet who's gonna be that second sub or um, if we ever got to uh, a three sub one AR meta like what does this roster look like at that point I think that's that's gonna be very interesting to watch as we progress uh, through this season next we had the final match of Friday. Uh, the defending world champions, the New York Subliners, taking on Optic Texas. Uh, this was by far the most interesting match of the day because uh, I think these are definitively two of the top four rosters uh, on paper, at least, heading into the season. New York, obviously, winning the world championship and then replacing, um, I almost said Pristini, but uh, that's another Preston, uh, Priesta. They replaced him with Sib, who came from Seattle and who was uh, an all-star two years ago, uh, one of the more talented players in the league. And then Optic Texas uh, swapped out Ghosty and Hook for Pred and Kenny. So Kenny, a former world champion. Pred, one of the very, very best players of the the um, first two seasons of his CDL career uh, was Seattle. Um, and then you had, you know, the Seattle boys uh, fighting it, uh, fighting against each other. Um, and this was a really, really fun series. Uh, went down to game five, round 11. And the New York subliners uh, ultimately prevailed, uh, winning 6-5 on terminal S&D to close out the series and get their first win of the season. Your thoughts on this uh, kind of debut for Kenny and Pred and, and Sib. Um, how do you think these two rosters looked against each other, considering, you know, like I said, two of the four best teams uh, heading into the season? All I got to say off the rip is I can't remember what map it was in. I For starters, I don't pay much attention to Twitch chat when I watch, you know, the CDL on Twitch in the past or or YouTube chat, but for whatever reason, when I was watching this, I want to say it was either after second map or during third map, and I almost screenshotted it, but I didn't because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to put the put a user on blast or anything in, unintentionally, but I saw one comment, I'm pretty sure it was during map three, if not after map two, and the comment in the YouTube chat was, boy, or Kenny's really got to get these boys on track or something like that. And I'm like, we are two maps into the season, or even if it was third map, we We're are literally hot in the first match right of the season. And I was like, we got to pump the brakes here. Like, you know, I in the past have, have had no issues with speaking negatively about optic when other people uh, might not necessarily agree on certain topics and on, you know, where optic ranks and stuff like that. But we definitely got to pump the brakes out in that regard. Like this was a super close match, two S and D's that went round eleven, um, and it's again. Although they made a roster change, New York is still the reigning world champion. So three fourths of them defending champs, uh, and three fourths of the best team from last year yeah. when it was all said and done. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was really as close as you can ask it. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the hard points could have been 250, 249 too, but uh, it was a really close series. And, you know, it is a tough draw for your first match uh, for, for any new team, let alone Optic. But uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, whenever I saw that comment, I was just mind blown. And I was like, yeah, this is, 
you know, we've talked about the green wall in the past being, you know, you ain't first, you last my mentality, but that was just like, I was, I was like, whoa, this, this is crazy. So, um, that example just kind of illustrates my, you know, one online match for all of these teams isn't going to dictate necessarily, uh, where they are at the end of the season or, you know, anything like that. But, um, obviously for optic fans, they definitely would have liked to start their season with a win. Um, New York had other ideas. I did, you know, it was interesting for me. It's just because they were on the same team for their first two years in the league, seeing Civ versus Pred for the first time, uh, was pretty cool. I mean, I guess it would be uh, the next closest example would be if Simp and Abizi ever broke up that first matchup between the two of them would be, you know, that would be must watch TV. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon, but and obviously they've been together longer than uh, Sib and Pred were a duo, but nonetheless, um, yeah, this was definitely a very entertaining one and went down to the wire. So, you know, we if we got to see a rematch between these two teams on land at Major 1, I definitely wouldn't complain. Yeah, I mean, you like you said, you this wasn't the blow it up bowl. It wasn't if one of these teams <laughs> loses, like, all right, just, just terminate everybody on this roster. Um and Optic lost in round 11 of both of these searches. So, like, a very winnable series, all things considered, for Optic. Um, and, you know, you don't pull it out, but it's, at the end of the day, like, it, it's fine. Like, it's it's one series. It's the first series of the year. There are a ton of online matches this season. Um, Optic was very, very good uh, in the online qualifiers last year. So, I would assume that they're probably going to be pretty good in the qualifiers this year because they they do have a stronger roster in my opinion um, than they did last season. So there's really no reason to, to panic. Um, especially if you lose to the defending world champions in your first match of the season, chill out, everybody chill out. Um, but yeah, uh, New York wins three, uh, two to get their first win of the season. And then we went to Saturday, December 9th, uh, the first match Carolina versus Miami, uh, so we had a relocated franchise and a rebranded franchise going head-to-head. -head. Um, the Vamos boys, uh, the uh, heretics, who, you know, many of them have not been in the CDL, uh, previously in the CWL, but um, really only Vickle had been uh, part of the, the CDL. I think Journey was a CDL sub, Metals. I don't know if he ever made his debut um, with Toronto back in the day, but like, so it's, it's on the starting roster, I think. Okay. So yeah, it, it's been quite a bit for a lot of these guys or, you know, potentially have not, um, had not made their debut. Um, so there was a lot of intrigue around this. Like how would these teams look? Because we, you know, like a lot of these teams, like we have no idea how they're going to play. Um, I I'd seen some Carolina scrims heading in. Um, but you know, I really hadn't seen any Miami and I'm sure that this was a really important match for them because, like like I was saying, like they haven't been in the CDL for very long or or for a long time. So um, it was a big match uh, either way, and it ended up being a 3-0 sweep, the first sweep of the season. Um, uh, Carolina gets swept by Miami 3-0. A pretty um, tight series, uh, especially the first two maps, uh, 250 to 229 Invasion Hardpoint. That goes toward Miami and a six-four Skid Row SND that went in favor of Miami as well. So, what what did you take away from these uh, two rosters and their debuts? Because you know, obviously, the result definitely in favor of Miami. But did you see anything that stood out to you in either either way for any team? 
Yeah, I mean, my uh, dark horse pick at Carolina definitely isn't uh, looking as good after just the first week as uh, your Seattle pick. But again, it's early. We got time. Yeah. Um, in in the same on the same note, there. Um, although this was a three zero for Miami, those first two maps in particular were pretty close. Uh, nonetheless, the the first you know just parallel or, or you know, early comparison that. I can make with this is that it reminds me of that initial uh, Heretics team back in Black Ops 4 CWL. Um, again, only one match here, but you know, similar situation in the past where people did not necessarily have high expectations for the Heretics back in the day. They proved some people wrong. Did you know had some decent performances, and you know, here some people had questions about this roster. I mean, we technically didn't even really know their official roster until. Uh, or their starting roster, at least, until, you know, the, the matches kicked off. But uh, nonetheless, they, they came out and took care of business. They they played aggressive, and, um, you know, that that's that comparison, they, they could be on the trajectory to, you know, to similar to past Heretics teams of, of proving people wrong early. Um, so we'll just have to keep an eye on them, how they continue to perform. Uh, similarly, um it's only one match, so, and, you know, Carolina, for other people, wasn't necessarily one of the highest-rated teams coming into the year. So we'll have to see how they do against some of the, you know, quote-unquote contenders. But uh, definitely, you know, you can only play the teams put in front of you, and a 3-0 is a 3-0. So uh, good job for the Vamos boys. Uh, I thought Gwyn played well throughout this weekend and, you know, had a strong debut here, but obviously just didn't get the, the W at the end of this series. So um, still looking forward to what this Carolina team is able to produce. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting match. Yeah, I don't know if it had any effect on the end result, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that Miami, this was their only match of the weekend, so they got to completely focus all of their efforts on this one opponent, whereas Carolina, they played um, they played Vegas as well on Sunday. So they're kind of, you know, you have to kind of split time a little bit and look ahead just to be prepared um, for that second match as well. So I don't, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I thought at least I should mention it. Um, the next match of the weekend, the Las Vegas Legion versus the Minnesota Rocker, um, you know, two new look rosters as well for, uh, you know, here with Vegas uh, completely overhauling the roster um, aside from Standy, who returned after being picked up midseason. Um, but of course, Standy, former Minnesota Rocker player, attached former Minnesota Rocker player, um, and then the Rocker uh, coming with a new lineup as well. Um, and this ended up being a 3 2 win for the Las Vegas Legion. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I put a little faith in the Legion last week and they repaid the favor. Um, they end up winning this in, in five. Um, and they were especially dominant in search and destroyed 12 and three uh, in round count, six and one on invasion uh, in the first S and D, and then to close out the series six two on Skid Row. Um, and this was also the Nero show. He completely dominated from like maps two th through two through four. Um, he went eight and three in S and D, the, the first S and D, dropped 35 kills in map three, 36 kills in map four. Um, and he had uh, eight and six uh, score line in the game five S and D. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways here from um, the first matches for both Minnesota and Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean the S and D stood out to me. Uh, Twelve three round count for Vegas is obviously 
uh, you know, as, as somebody who cares about SMD as much as I do, it's something that's going to stick out no matter what. So, uh, that was the biggest takeaway for me. And, uh, there was some banter there at the end that originally, um, the rocker had tweeted like first W first W to start the CDL was the tweet. Uh, Vegas quote tweeted that after the match and, and welcome G2 to the CDL. So that was, uh, you know, a fun one, but, uh, definitely a close series. Um, I I was obviously leaning towards Minnesota in the Pickham, and uh, you know was a little disappointed in the uh, performance in Search and Destroy. But hey, if that's what gets Vegas across the line here to start, then uh, they they took care of business in that regard. So um, you know the the hard points were close, and a three-two in the control. So a lot a lot of close matches throughout this weekend across the board. And, uh, you know, it's tough. Obviously, teams are just getting started. It's the start of the game. So maybe uh, it takes a while for some of these teams to separate themselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we, we have a, an early S&D wins online qualifiers example here. Yeah, I mean, that's a definitely a fair point. I'm not going to lie, though. I, I was getting a little excited in that map one. Um, Envoy, in particular, went 29 and 27, the most engagements and the most kills on Toronto in his debut. Uh, the tissue was definitely an issue. He had a he had a pretty solid streak at one point, if I remember correctly. Um, so I just really like this team, and, you know, kind of like we've said since the reports of Toronto getting Envoy, uh, this was a team that was in the grand finals of COD Champs last year with Hixie. They get a guy like Envoy, who is a world champion, can't even really argue that. I mean, I'm I'm sure some people might want to argue for whatever reason, Hixie versus Envoy, but you know, one's a world champion, so you can't really argue against it in my mindset. They, they have similar play styles, and I just think Envoy 
uh, is, you know, as Patty P might say, is a pack-a-punch upgrade there for this roster. So I'm just excited for what this team has uh, the potential to do. And um, it, it is difficult to maybe, you know, temper those expectations when they're playing a team like LAG that a lot of people aren't necessarily too high on heading into the season. Um, but again, what did I forget what team I was talking about when I said it, but I know I just said it not too long ago. You can only play the team that's put in front of you. You can't really control that. So uh, Toronto came out and took care of business. And uh, it was exciting to to see this roster finally uh, play a match. And I will most definitely be looking forward to some of Toronto's matches against, you know, those quote-unquote contenders, uh, you know, like New York, uh, Atlanta, Optic, et cetera. Yeah. Definitely, uh, this team, at least in our four maps that we've got to see them, have they've looked really good. And um, yeah, like like you, I am very excited to see them play against the teams that we've kind of deemed as like above the rest so far this season. Uh, last match of Saturday: Seattle versus Boston, uh, closing out with Seattle's uh, second match as well as Boston's second match of the weekend. Um, so, you know, we actually got to see quite a bit from each of these teams, uh, but here we saw the Seattle Surge pick up their second win of the season. Uh, they win 3-1. Uh, they end up only dropping um, the uh, first hard point in a very, very close invasion hard point, um, and then they close out with um, pretty tight wins on Terminal Search, uh, Invasion Control, and then a 60-point win uh, on Terminal Hard Point. Uh, what were some of your big takeaways from this series as we've got to actually see uh, both of these teams twice now? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind right away with that, that first map is, well, I guess for starters, there was some um, discrepancy or, you know, controversy, I guess, around the rules being wrong um, in terms of when the map starts in pubs, uh, like the hard point is locked for a little bit and you know as opposed to being available to jump right in and start earning points and apparently that was an issue with this match and you know makes the point that um maybe seattle could have won before uh boston was able to get a break on that p5 hill um but second point there is that was something we had talked about on this show previously was octane tweeting like uh, surely we're not going to break P5 on Invasion with just gun scale this year. Uh, and JCap was in the replies to that, you know, this was during the, like, should smokes be allowed debate uh, for a hard point and stuff. And JCap was saying it, it's, you know, I don't remember exactly what JCap says, and I could look, but I'm too lazy. But uh, he was kind of, like, saying, like, you know, there's going to be some opportunities, yada, yada. And we even said, like, you know, if it happens, we're going to be able to go back to this and look. And it was literally first weekend here. Uh, we had an example of, you know, how it was able to be done. Not necessarily easy. There was uh, one, I think it might have been Illy versus Snoopy or somebody on, like, the tanks, Water Street side, and uh, got a got a really, like, you know, close gunfight win on a heck glitch there that, you know, kind of, like, allowed Boston to push up a little bit, and then they started picking up more kills from there that led to the eventual break. Um, but nonetheless, this was definitely a, a close first map, regardless of the rule situation. Uh, one thing that was definitely hilarious to me was that after the fact, uh, this was later Saturday night, um, Envoy, who obviously wasn't even a part of that map, uh, said, we got told it's on the teams, not the refs, to notice that rules are wrong, um, which that's just 
ridiculous. Like if, if there there was talk to that, you know, because the CDL rules don't weren't working on the current patch in MW3 that yeah. uh, admins were setting up the rules manually. Like they need to make sure the rules are right. It can't be on the players to do that. And um, you know, there's been situations in the past where even if a player raised a rule complaint or something like that, saying it's wrong, they might have made them play it out anyway. So that that's just a whole can of worms there, and it's just it can't happen when we're at this stage. But uh, regardless of that controversy, Boston was able to get that win, and then Seattle, you know, stormed back after that and won the next three maps. Um, still, you know, an impressive performance of Booza this time led Seattle in kills. Uh, RCDs had a good series, 79 and 65 for a 1.22 KD series high mark there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, good for you on the Seattle call early there, 2-0 weekend for those guys. And um, I guess Boston, on the other hand, 0-2, um, some tough opponents, but uh, they definitely, I was, I was looking ahead too, it doesn't get any easier on their schedule. So we're going to have to see what this uh, Boston team's made of soon. I want to throw a hypothetical at you. Imagine that you are a, a prospective CDL owner or you, you want to buy a Call of Duty team in like, say, 2019 or so. And then Activision and Bobby Kotick, they come to you and it's like, if you want to buy a Call of Duty team in our exclusive franchise league, you're going to have to pay $25 million to get in this league it's pretty high price but you know we're going to put a lot of support into it and then like five four or five years later you have some like underpaid overworked game admin trying to put together the cdl rules for these matches and but then also blaming the players and the teams for not catching that and not like enforcing a replay i th that would be like pretty crazy right like if you agreed to pay 25 million and you have like some guy that's making like forty five thousand a year like pretty much dependent on whether he can actually put together the rules like it's a gb match that would just be like really crazy right um but at least we don't live in that world We're, we don't have to deal with that um but yeah uh, i think that's ridiculous it's it is supposed to be a professional league um i think someone uh mock said in the in the comments, that's like saying NBA refs don't need to know what a foul is. Whoever run this league has brain rot and needs a scat scan. Um, I probably wouldn't go that far, but I would say like it's ridiculous to blame teams or players for the the admins not like getting the rules right. And I understand like they're doing this under probably like quite a bit of stress. Like they're trying to make sure that then they don't screw up. But like just in a GB match, like things happen you get it wrong but if the league is actually involved in putting together the rules and setting up the lobby then how in the world would that be acceptable for the players or teams to be um you know allegedly that's their problem like that that doesn't make any sense that should be an automatic replay no matter the result even if it wasn't close uh, or or if one of the teams is like, no, we don't need to replay it, then that's fine. But like this was obviously like a, a problem and it was so close that the teams probably should have replayed it no matter what. But that it just seems uh, quite ridiculous. Um, but I, I looked up that tweet that you were talking about with Octane and JCap. Um, Octane said, like, surely we're not going to watch CDL teams attempt to break Palace Hill on Invasion all year using strictly gun skill, right? And JCap said, hate the design of the hill, but there's honestly plenty of breaks on it in scrims. Um, and then he was definitely in the comments after uh, 
after the hill where J Cap said like, oh, I was told that you couldn't break this hill at all, right? So um, J Cap was definitely taking a little bit of a victory lap there. But um, yep, Seattle starts two and zero to start the season. Um, you know, not a not a great start for the Boston Breach, but you know, there's quite a bit of time to make up and um, you know go from here. Seattle and uh, well, Atlanta, I would imagine, are one of the best teams and. Seattle has looked very, very good uh, early on this year, so maybe they're also one of the better teams. It's kind of hard to even, like, if we were trying to do our tier list right now, it would be all screwed up. Like, I I would barely want to change anyone just based on a first week of action. Um, we had the final four matches on Sunday after that. Uh, the first, Vegas versus Carolina. And I want to direct this right to the Las Vegas Legion. How? How do you lose this series? I was undefeated in Pickham so far uh, till this game. To I was looking real pretty heading into control map three, and you guys get reverse swept by fifty-five-year-old Clayster and a bunch of rookies in Goderex. How dare you? How dare you? In all seriousness, seriousness, it was annoying, but it was very impressive that Carolina pulled this off. Blaster did a ninja defuse. So even in his old age, he's very he's very wise and he's very entertaining because the Ego Child podcast, we heavily endorse assassinations and we heavily endorse <laughs> ninja defuses. So either one of those, perfect. Um, and then Gwen had, another, like you mentioned in the first series, they lost, but he looked pretty good individually. He had a round 11 ace uh, to win this series. So uh, very just incredible um, showing out of him. Um, what were your, some of your biggest takeaways? Because I don't know if this is the first, this was probably the rever first reverse sweep of the season. Um, and this was quite a roller coaster because it seemed like Vegas was going to roll to a, another win start two and uh on the season, which would be pretty incredible. Um, but they end up losing this. So what are your biggest takeaways from Carolina Vegas? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I was thinking Carolina here, yeah, heading into the series, and uh, so so I was pretty happy with that that end result, but it was definitely an intense one. Uh, can't come much closer down to the wire there than a uh, you know a ninja into a, a game five round eleven ace. So uh, definitely an exciting match there. That you know, especially with the teams and how late the rosters were formed, maybe some people weren't tuned in or weren't you know anticipating that one but if it's you, you know you missed it for whatever reason i definitely recommend going back and watching at least the game five because that that was a good one but yeah i mean you know all jokes aside and all that this is uh a, a big win for carolina in terms of responding after getting 3 would uh by heretics there was some drama on the flank between uh patty p and clay too where they were trash talking mm -hmm. each other that was definitely one that i enjoyed it, it was you know all in good fun between two former teammates and well i guess you know maybe some some personal jabs were thrown in there but um you know felt like it wasn't too personal but it was definitely yeah. uh it, it was definitely at, at a time where um you know, the flank was debating what's going on with her showing gameplay and stuff. Uh, th those two definitely delivered some content that uh, you don't necessarily need gameplay on the monitor for. So, um, but yeah, jokes aside, definitely a, a good good match uh, that might have been better expectation-wise than some people had hopes for. But 
Um, kind of like you said too, we we always endorse ninjas and assassination, so uh, it was a good one to see there. And again, yeah, Gwen definitely stood out for me. Um, way too early prediction for rookie of the year. Obviously, Abuza with a two and zero start might have a uh, slight edge over Gwen, but Gwen stat wise might be leading the pack. Uh, very early in that regard, so definitely way too early there. But um, for your first two matches in the CDL, he he definitely stood out to me. Yeah, the, uh, on the opposite end, a rookie that struggled in this series was Purge. Uh, he especially in the respawn, like he was fine in S and D, but in the respawn, sixteen and twenty five in map one, ten or eleven and twenty three in map three, and seven and twenty two in map four. Um, you know he. He wasn't like the only one that was doing poorly, but it definitely um, definitely was not a good look because overall he went 44 and 82 in the series with a, a 0.54 KD. So obviously people are going to take notice of that. Um, but, you know, like you just said with, you know, Abuza and Win and any rookie that is doing, you know, well early on, like it's also very early for the guys that didn't do so well. And I don't even think he did that poorly in the first series that they won. And if they had won one of those final uh, three maps, especially that invasion search, then like people would be like, yeah, who cares? Like the stats don't matter if you win essentially. So, um, you know, I just wanted to point that out because I know people were definitely, um, you know, wrongfully clowning him for one bad series, his second series in the CDL and people are already uh, taking shots. Uh, next match was a really, really close match. The defending world champions, the New York Subliners, and the Los Angeles Gorillas, who people have been talking about very slant, very slanderous uh, the past month or so, um, saying that they're the worst team in the CDL and saying a lot of bad things about Vios. Um, but this was a very winnable series for LAG. They end up losing 3-2 uh, in a Game 5. Uh, they went to 10 rounds in game five but uh lag ends up dropping the series to new york um but this was very very winnable the first map 250 to 248 that goes in favor of new york uh game two high rise search goes to round 11 goes to new york and then uh very close uh games three and four and then goes around 10 in game five uh so like what can you say about lag because i think we all expect a lot from sub the subliners we expected them to win but like this was as close as you can pretty much get in each of these maps for lag literally one point off of a 250 249 in the map one 15 points away from a 250 249 in map four and one s and d round so in total 15 uh, hard point points and one S and D round away from being like the maximum score wise you yeah. could have in a series with two two fifty two forty nines two six fives and a three two in the control. Um, so this might be the closest we ever get to. I mean, I would have to go back and look at all the matches to see if that's ever happened. I off the top of my head, I don't think it has. Um, but definitely a incredibly close match, and we've been saying it throughout this show that there have been a lot of close matches. This arguably might have been the closest, especially when you look at the scores. Um, and you could even make the argument again, especially with the way that map one ended, that LAG might have been able to take this series if they were just able to close that one out. Um, or even map two, it could have been a 3-0. Um, so definitely a super close series. Uh, going back to your original point about LAG and you know playing the defending world champions here, like 
Uh, they kind of, you know, showed what they're capable of. And again, it's very early in the season. A lot of stuff can change from now and when we're months down the road here. Uh, but at the start of the game, these these close matches are the ones that could, you know, if you're 10, 20 points away from making champs, like these are the ones that could come up to, to bite you in the butt in the end. So um, it was definitely a performance from LAG that not a lot of people were expecting, uh, especially after how they played against Toronto. Um, and they they almost made some major noise for a very unexpected upset in uh, the first weekend. So, uh, credit to them. No, we'll see if they're able to build on that and you know have it translate into an actual win. But, um, in terms of a loss, that's almost as close as it can get. Like we're saying, so uh, I I if I was in that camp, I'd have my head held high after that one. It, it's tough because a loss is a loss, but. Uh, a very close one and against a very tough opponent on paper that, you know, most people probably didn't even think it would go more than three maps in some cases. So um, might be, well, we'll have to see, you know, how both these teams, what, where they go from here, um, but still early days and, you know, no no red flags being thrown up or anything like that for, for either squad. We'll just have to see what happens next. Well, there were, there was at least one red flag that popped up and it was guys in map one uh, unequivocally snaking. Um, whether it was intentional or not is kind of up for debate. And you know, he claims that he was kind of trying to crawl out, but it was definitely like LAG definitely got snaked in that um, because Skies is laying down in the hill uh, on uh, Karachi, and he's he sees assault. He gets shot by him, and he just starts snaking right then. Um, he ends up staying alive gets the the kill on assault and that pretty much changed the game like there's a very good chance that had lag been able to get that kill that they would have gotten control of the hill they only needed two seconds to win the map they were up to uh, 48 to about 210 uh, and new york ended up winning that map 250 to 248 so definitely something there um what are your thoughts on that where you know we've talked about the snaking stuff quite a bit over the last few weeks and this was kind of the first big example the first clear example of a player doing it and actually having an effect on the game york ended up winning this map um they win win three two like gr granted there's no guarantee that lag if new york had lost map one that lag would have won three maps uh, or another two maps um in the series things might have been different uh slightly um but what do you think about this that lag is kind of giving him a pass saying like you know, it did, that didn't have anything to do with the map or, you know, saying that it's all right to him or sh should there be a punishment for the subliners? Because people have been saying that um, any team or any players that get caught snaking should be blacklisted from scrims. So what are your what's your take on that? We, we've talked now over the snaking situation for a while and it's going to be super tough to police. The only thing I mean, there's no way any like official punishment could be handed down because yeah. And the league would be recognizing GAs as part of the rule set, and that's just never going to happen. Um, the only thing I can think of, uh, you know, you hear stories and stuff, at least baseball-wise, in the past of, like, a kangaroo court where, you know, a guy will go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, and he'll be quote-unquote fined by the team um, in-house and, and stuff like that. And th that would be the only, um, you know, thing, like, 
you could do something like that among the CDL pros where it's like, oh, you know, you snaked here and we, we got proof of it being egregious, yada, yada. Uh, you throw 50 bucks in a pot at the end of the year, the pot goes to whoever wins champs or something like that. I mean, that's not a great example, but um, that would be like the only thing I can think of that would even potentially be able to be done. I, I mean, if... I, I didn't even see it happen. If it happened, it happened. And if LAG is okay with it, then it is what it is at this point. But, I mean, maybe once we get to this, I, I guess we don't technically know what patch is being played on. We're just assuming it's not this, the Season 1 MW3 patch mm -hmm. uh, where a snaking nerf is implemented. Maybe it you know becomes easier to police and regulate in terms of what is snaking and what isn't. Uh, end of the day, until... Snaking just isn't possible in the game. There, there's inevitably going to be situations like this that pop up. Yeah, for sure. I, I also we we talked about it, but the snaking is probably one of the more unenforceable GAs because it happens yeah. at a moment's notice, and it's not something that you could actually prepare around. You just you have to kind of expect and hope that someone doesn't do it to you in a in a crucial moment. And you know whether Sky's meant to or not, like it happened, and it's probably going to happen quite a bit. Um, not only from New York, but a, a bunch of teams, I'm imagining. But I think the the point was, uh, I, I think it might have been Zuma that said this. And, you know, he is definitely, like, not a neutral party in all of this. Uh, but he was kind of saying, like, ha imagine if Selium had been the one to get first caught snaking um, this season. Like, the uproar would have been incredible. Um, you know, if it was, like, Atlanta versus LAT or Atlanta versus Boston and Selium snakes and they end up winning that map like that would have been you know really really crazy the reaction so um you know skies kind of gets away with it for the moment and we'll see what happens down the road if if he ends up doing it again or if anybody else does uh, but i would imagine somebody somebody will and we'll have another discussion about it at some point uh next match was LAT versus Atlanta um this was a, a world championship rivalry for a few seasons uh but you know, LAT, this is a new era for the Thieves, and Draza now uh, was was once part of that LAT uh, championship team and now is uh, a part of Atlanta FaZe. Um, he actually didn't have a very good series, all things considered, but FaZe did. Um, they won uh, some pretty close games, but they end up sweeping LAT 3-0. Uh, um, you know, like I said, not... Not like blowouts by any means. If you just look at the the match result and you see the three zero, you're like, oh yeah, Phase really did that. Um, they were very dominant, but that didn't seem to be the case. Was that your takeaway as well from the series? Yeah, I, I mean, looking at the maps again, it's it's definitely one that came down to the wire. Twenty points in the hard point, one round away from a six five and a three five or a three two in the control. So. Uh, really close individual map wise, but probably you know end of the day a map a match you expect a phase uh, to win, and uh, it was Draza going up against his his old squad, and that might have not been a huge storyline because it's not like he was really playing against any former teammates there, but um, none, nonetheless, uh, uh, you think three zero for Atlanta phase, it's it's probably what some people might have been expecting in that Boston series. Uh, that didn't happen, so all their maps really this weekend were pretty close. Um, but in this situation, they get the 3-0 win instead of a 3-2. I don't know if you're going to keep track of it this season, but Simp dropped 42 in the control, which is the highest that I saw this weekend. Um, 
I mean, like, Haze in general, like, they were just slaying that entire third map. Sim went 42 and 27. Abizi was 34 and 30. You know, he's going to get those engagements up. And Cell was 34 and 20. Uh, you know, the AR definitely is going to get the, the fewer engagements, but the higher KD. So um, pretty incredible stuff, uh, for especially for Simp to drop 42 in the closeout win. Um, and last match of the weekend uh, to close out week one, Minnesota versus Optic. Um, you know, fans that have been around for a you know, few seasons in the CDL uh, definitely know that this could be an important match for Optic just because of the history, um, especially with accuracy back on Minnesota. Uh, we were not quite sure if there was going to be a breakdown. We did see a round 11 uh, clutch for Minnesota, which is, um, you know, that's just the accuracy effect. Like, even if he's not doing it, he's definitely going to be on this team. He's definitely, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I would love to see the actual stats of, like, his teams, how often they clutch, uh, how often they win S&D, and how often they clutch, like, round 11s. Um, but they <laughs> end up winning the search 6-5 on Karachi. But they uh, were not particularly close in the hard points, and they lost 3-2 on Karachi control as well. Um, so Optic gets their first win of the season. Um, your takeaway from Optic's first victory and uh, Minnesota dropping to 0-2 on the season. Yeah, I mean, the thing that jumps out to me is that Minnesota wins the search in this series when Minnesota lost both series kind of lopsidedly to Vegas in their other match. Hmm. Um, at the same time, Optic went 0-3 in Search and Destroy this weekend in Search and Destroy, which isn't necessarily, um, different from previous stereotypes to past Optic teams that have been, you know, somewhat respawn-oriented or, or you know, stronger in the respawn modes, but even though they were 0-3 in Search and Destroy this week, all three of those losses were 6-5. Yeah. So <laughs> take uh, take those numbers and do with them what you will. But uh, I, I think Optic will be just fine. Um, again, uh, we'll see more of them with time. But, you know, if you're, you're 0-3 in a mode and all three of those losses are uh, just by one round, then, you know, something else goes differently in each of those modes. You're, you're technically one round away from being 3-0 and versus 0-3. So, yeah. Um, well, we'll keep. I'll I'll definitely keep an eye on on Optic and in Search and all their modes, really. Um, but that was the one thing that uh, stood out to me. Definitely, uh, strong performance in the hard points here. Both of you know two fifty one forty eight on Invasion, the two fifty one uh, ninety three, and hard point or uh, sorry in uh, Skid Row. And then I'm I'm scrolling down to the New York match. Um, so they went three and one in hard point. So, um, you know, so some close maps again across the board in this series, but, uh, a little, you know, outside of the six, five and the three, two, not necessarily the closest hard point, but, um, we'll, we'll have to see how Minnesota responds, you know, still some questions around that team with the roster. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I guess, you know, especially that uh that one optic fan during the New York squad who said uh Kenny need to get the boys in shape, uh he he that they might not uh be as upset with this result that uh Optic got a win here. Yeah, the search thing with Optic is always interesting because we talked about in the past before that you know, they're a really slay heavy heart uh slay heavy respawn team and then search was at times hit or miss. Um 
and I think that's always interesting to to look out for. I think when they were when we were talking about which team or about Pred going to Optic, and I think even Kenny going to Optic, uh, my biggest thing was um, the first bloods and how aggressive a lot of these players were. Like uh, Shotzi would get blooded quite a bit, um, and I think uh, Pred was a player that had like one of the highest uh, first blood rates in all of the CDL. So I I didn't know how they would mesh. Uh, right now, according to Breaking Point this season, uh, Shotzi has gotten the first blood three times and been blooded th- uh, three times. Pred is also 500, four and four. Kenny, he's gotten three. He's been blooded five. And Dashy, the slower AR player, you kind of expect him to get fewer first bloods uh, either way. So he has the fewest first bloods so far with two, and he's been blooded three. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to keep up with, you know, right now they're at a disadvantage, like they're getting blooded more than they're actually getting the first kill of the, the S and D rounds, which is, you know, something to keep an eye out for. Of course, it's a very, very small sample size. It's only three maps over two matches. Um, and like you mentioned, they've lost those three maps by a combined three rounds. So like, it's, you know, it's going to work out eventually you would hope. And they're, you're going to get some uh, some luck on your side and some variance a little bit there um, that they'll eventually, you know, at least Optic fans hope, will be able to turn around and win some of those round 11s. Um, so that does it for the recaps for these matches. Uh, the Pick'em so far, there were 11 matches this weekend. You went 7-4. and four. I was only disappointed by the Las Vegas Legion, uh, so I went 10-1. and one. Um, which was was great. You you went four and zero on Sunday. I went four and zero, or I went three and zero on Friday, and then we we each. Uh, oh, I also got four and zero on Saturday too. So I was really in my bag this weekend. I don't think this is going to work out for me super well for the rest of the year uh, because um, you went back and you actually looked at the pick'em records for the last two years. Um, so last year you beat me by three matches, um, 136 and 94 versus my 133 and 97. Uh, Champs was a big one because we were only separated by a single match heading into the tournament. And then in 2022, um, it really wasn't that close. Uh, it was seven matches, which is like, you know, an entire week essentially that you got uh, ahead of me, uh, 116 and 80 versus my 10987. So um, definitely something that uh, I'm going to have to pick up, you know, the late season, I, I kind of uh, slow down a little bit, but I got to keep uh, chugging along. And maybe if I just keep p- uh, picking Seattle and kind of coin flipping on Vegas, maybe it'll work out for me. Um, let's get into the the qualifier matches for week two. Uh, another, I believe, 11 matches coming at, uh, I actually think it's 10 this week. Um, because there's four on yeah. Saturday, there's three on Friday, and three on Sunday. So let's get into these 10 matches and give our predictions. Uh, first, on Friday, December 15th, will be Miami versus Vegas. Um, so two teams that uh, both got wins in week one, but Vegas did show a little bit of vulnerability um, in their loss. Uh, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Vegas Legion. Um, I'm I, we, we have like very little to see on Miami. We have even less than most teams. They only played three maps, um, but I'm going to go with Vegas. Maybe search is kind of their way to victory. And, you know, you've said it probably hundreds of times uh, S and D wins championships. So maybe that'll be the case here. I'm just surprised you're going Vegas after the, the rant you went on about them ruining your perfect week. Um, 
I will not be going to Vegas here. I'm uh, hopping on the van, the Vamos bandwagon, and uh, I'm taking Miami. Well, Vegas has a second match, and I don't think I can pick them on that one, so we'll, <laughs> we'll just stick with that. Um, LAT versus Boston next up. Um, you know, this is is going to be a kind of a bounce back match for either one of these teams. Um, man, that's a really tough pick. Uh, I'm going to go with LAT, but I have very little confidence either way. Like I think they're pretty evenly matched and it's pretty hard to predict uh, for either team. Do you think? Yep. I, I completely agree. I'm going to go with LAT too, but definitely one I could see going either way. And, you know, probably could be a, a five map banger. Uh, the next match is one that I'm really looking forward to. Optic versus Seattle. This, you would imagine, is an actual revenge game for Illy. Um, <laughs> because he was benched by them. Uh, he had his season pretty much ruined the year before when he got the injury. And he he sat on the bench, um, you know, obviously uh, due to injury for quite a bit. Um, and, but that's a really tough, like, I think both these teams are are pretty good. I'm going to pick Optic, but I am not, like, sold either way on this either. I'm going with the storylines I'm taking Seattle. Um, I I think the timeline will be super entertaining if Seattle's able to pull this one off, and I, I'm going with that narrative. It also is a revenge game of sorts, I guess, for Preds, so this is first. No. It, it might be. I mean, they they didn't allow him to go to Optic last year. Maybe he's still pissed off about that. We don't know. <laughs> I guess, but there's nobody really involved there anymore. I don't even think because Revan's not the GM. He's, it's just the logo. He's just going to be screaming at the, <laughs> the Trident. He's he's going to be really upset. Um, Saturday, December 16th, we, had, we have four matches. So Miami is kicking off uh, the matches on that day as well. I'm assuming that they're doing this because they have like, obviously they're mostly Spanish players. The earlier you do it in the day, yeah. the European audience might actually catch up for it. So Miami versus Minnesota. Um, I'm going to go with Miami, but this is a, a pretty evenly matched, um, you know, matchup as well. It's, it's kind of can go either way. Yeah. I think that's a lot of these matches, especially early on, yeah. but we have very little um, to go off of for either of these yeah, I'm going with Miami too, Vamos. Next match, Vegas versus New York. This is not one that I think is a coin flip. So I'll go with the sure? sub. I'm gonna go with the subliners. Um, uh... if if Vegas pulls off the upset, then so be it. But um I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go with the subliners. I'm just gonna say we did see what LAG did against New York in that last match. So, you know, I guess it might not be completely out of the realms of possibility, but I will also be taking New York. Uh, a really good matchup uh, on Saturday, Atlanta versus Seattle. Um, depending on what actually happens in that Optic Surge match, this could be even more interesting because if, if Seattle were to beat Optic and Optic has, um, at least for the last few seasons, been a thorn in Atlanta's side, they have not been able to consistently beat them. Um, I think a lot of people will be jumping on the Surge bandwagon at that point. I'm going to go with FaZe, just you know, a tried and true pick. They have way more experience as like at least the trio do um, than than Seattle does as a team. So I'm going to go with the uh, Atlanta phase. Yeah, I, it's well documented uh, my picking, uh, you know, tendencies when it comes to phase, and yeah. I'm, I'm not going to break tradition here. So I'm going with phase. Uh, definitely, though, you know, Seattle, especially coming off a 2-0 week, having to play Optic in Atlanta, 
it's it's about as tough of a test as you can ask for to kind of you know really get a better gauge of where this team is at so uh, i am excited for both of these matches and uh we should have some more good stuff to talk about for seattle uh next week or when when we're back um the final match of saturday is i'm not sure why exactly they put this on last usually they put um you know one of the matches of the day on last and i don't think this is one maybe they're just banking on clayster versus scrappy that this rivalry <laughs> is is going to carry it uh but toronto versus carolina to end the day on saturday i'm going to go with toronto i i mean i i i we we saw quite a bit with carolina they did come back against vegas but the ultra are kind of a different beast you know they just went to champs grand finals uh last off season or last season and envoy is probably an upgrade so i'm gonna go with the ultra yeah i'm going toronto here but i i'm glad you brought it up because even if you didn't i was going to uh we've seen the banter between scrappy and uh clay all off season and preseason so uh the timeline could be juicy after this one no matter what happens and uh I, i'm here for it either way i think if carolina pulls off an upset a post-game interview with clay will be electric and, uh, you know, just vice versa. Toronto wins. They get a post-match interview with Scrap. It, it could be, you know, shots fired. So Just, do an, just do an interview with both of them at the same time, regardless of the <laughs> result. Just let it happen. Um, Sunday, December 17th, the final three matches of Week 2, starting with Carolina versus Optic. Going to go with Optic there, but if Carolina ends up beating the Ultra to end on Saturday, who knows what happens there. Yeah, tough tough draw for uh, Carolina to have yeah. to go up against Toronto and Optic in the same uh, you know, technically back-to-back, -back, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Optic as well. Uh, and something we didn't talk about um, in the, like, with the new format and how there are even more online qualifier matches, I would imagine, like, you can't play the same team twice in these qualifier, in, like, one qualifier set. I would imagine that's the case. Um, but but that would allow it's... you to play even more teams in a in a cycle rather than we had five matches previously now we have seven there's just inevitably going to be some uh some crossover because it's seven yeah. so like that, that's 14 matches for major one and major two so you know with 12 teams teams are going to have to play repeat opponents i just meant um, like in one like one week or one uh maybe i don't know yeah. oh in a set it shouldn't matter yeah i was seven yeah. yeah, I was just saying that there would be a little more variety in some of these teams. Like, you know, you have less focus, essentially, on some of these other teams where, you know, more matches, less focus per team. So uh, I just wanted to mention that because Carolina is going to get screwed by playing some pretty tough opponents in week two. But, you know, granted, they didn't probably didn't have, like, the toughest opponents in week one, so they didn't take as great of an advantage as they probably should have. Um, I mean, uh, I, just, I just think it's... You know, let's just say in a world where Carolina didn't get that reverse sweep, they're 0-2 heading into this. Yeah. And they, they play these two matches against Toronto and Optic. They lose them. They're 0-4. When there's only five qualifier matches, 0-4 is almost, like, guaranteed to, you yeah. know, not get into winner's bracket or have even a remote chance. Now with seven qualifier matches, 0-4, you win the next three. Three and four has a much better chance than one and four of getting in. So I... I think we might see some, uh, you know, more drastic comebacks potentially with the the increase in the qualifiers, but uh, we'll we'll have to see when we get there. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next match is the Battle of Los Angeles, LAG versus LAT. Gonna go with the Thieves, but I, I mean, 
the gorillas really were yeah. impressive against New York. So um, I think this is a lot closer than many people would have imagined starting the season. I don't know what the exact record is, but I remember there's been a lot of times where this battle of LA went LAG's favor. Um, so I'm going with the thieves, but again, based on that performance we saw to end last week for LAG against New York, this could be one that goes the other way. Final match of the weekend, Boston versus Toronto. Gonna go with the ultra. Um, yep. Boston is like, who knows what happens earlier in the week. Uh, Boston plays LAT, Toronto plays Carolina. Those things could have an effect on what happens in the final match of the weekend. But I'm gonna, I'm pretty solidly going with the ultra here. Yeah, um, taking the ultra too. All right, sweet. Um, so we are now through our predictions. Uh, I don't think we have anything left to talk about, but um, I do want to thank you guys all for watching and listening to the podcast. Uh, over the, you know, obviously the entire off season, but the first week is finally here or finally done with, uh, we're into the season. This should be kind of a usual schedule for us, uh, for matches, depending on the holidays, which is kind of the, the little, uh, wrench thrown into our plans, but, uh, we should be here most weeks to, uh, recap the matches and then give our predictions for the next, uh, week of matches as well. Um, but, you know, thank you guys for listening and watching. Um, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and like the videos on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers. And the podcast Twitter is at EgoChopPodcast. Um, the next show should be next week, uh, next Tuesday, uh, or should be hitting your feeds, you know, Wednesday morning. That seems to be kind of our, our schedule. Um we, you know, I have been planning to do a few like solo, uh, like short videos, like obviously not going to be talking for an hour, but, uh, maybe do something on the CDL, um, and put it up on the ego job podcast, YouTube channel. So if you want to see any extra content there, um, I should be doing something in the next week that will be like a, you know, five, 10 minute video, just me ranting, essentially, um, maybe that'll be a little bit entertaining for you guys if not then you don't need to watch i guess uh but we'll we'll probably be back next week to talk about these matches and then we'll you know probably take a break for the holidays um you know when christmas is coming around but we'll get to that when we get to that um but yeah that does it for me bink take it away yeah thank you guys as always for the support um for those who've been here for the long haul you might be noticing this is episode 99 so next week should be the big 100 um so thank you guys for the support on this journey any additional support you guys have um is greatly appreciated and um you know here's the 100 plus more episodes and uh you know looking forward to just the start of the season and looking forward to building on that and we'll see you right back here next week with more cdl action so until then remember to send the chow